All right, so we are in Ruth chapter 4, and we're going to look at the final verses, verses 13 through 22. All right, so the reason uh, we are finishing Ruth chapter 4 this week, even though we could have finished it last week, I, I wanted to save this last portion for two reasons. Number one, this is the last regular youth of this semester until the fall. But also, there's a really important point that's made at the very end of this book that's really important for all of us. And so, you know how sometimes you can be in the Old Testament and you're like, how does this relate to me at all? Y'all ever felt like that? You're reading in like Leviticus and you're like, I have no idea like what cotton has to do with me, right? Well, even in a book like this, you know, we can make application but we may find it difficult to be like, okay, well, yeah, I understand that you're preaching this and you're exposing the way that this like makes sense to me, but is the book of Ruth actually written for me? Like, are we intended to be the recipients of this book, to hear it as it would be heard and for it to apply to our life? Uh, and the end of this book would give us the answer, yes. So I want to shape our time this evening around a really important question, and it's this. How can we know for sure that God is a redeeming God? How can we know for sure that God is a redeeming God? That is, how can we know that God is a God who saves? Because one of the things we can see here in this book clearly is that he saves, he redeems Ruth, and he redeems Naomi. He takes them all the way from chapter 1, where they have lost their husbands, to this point where Ruth has a new husband and his name's Boaz, and everything is kind of packaged very pretty, and there's a bow put on it happily ever after, right? Well, that's all good and well, but how can we know that God wants to and can redeem us? How can we know for sure from this book that God is willing and able to save us, right? Not just Ruth, not just Naomi, not Boaz, but us here today, sitting in this room, how can we know that God wants to save us? And so that's what we're going to look at. So look, at, look with me at Ruth chapter 4, and starting in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Verse 18, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, or Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Okay, so my one point is this, redemption has always been God's overarching plan. So redemption, when I say that word, basically I'm saying the word salvation. So salvation is has always been God's overarching plan from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. That is the very beginning book and the very last book. All right, so one of the things we need to understand here, and I think if you have been in church for any amount of time, you understand that David here is King David, 
right? So Jesse had all of these sons. There were some awesome, handsome, strong sons. And then there was little dinky David. And uh, David, though, was chosen by God to be king. So whenever we get to this point, we realize, oh, wow. So Boaz marrying Ruth actually leads to King David. But, but why does that matter? Like, yeah, that's really awesome that, that Boaz and Ruth are the great-grandparents of, uh, of a king, but, you know, who really cares? Well, here's where we need to be Bible students. Th- this moment right here is when it's really important to be someone who consumes and reads the Bible because you get to this point and you realize, wait a minute, I think something more is happening here. I think the author of Ruth is actually trying to tell me a little more than I can just see right here. So we need to do something called biblical theology. We need to look at all of the Bible and understand how it fits together. Because here's one of the things we know. God promised to establish an eternal throne for an eternal king who would rule and reign perfectly. Well, how do we know that? Because we can flip over a few pages to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we can read it for ourselves in verse 12. This is spoken to King David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. That's, that is, he's going to be one of your sons. Not necessarily like his immediate son, but one of the sons in his lineage. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then verse 17, in accordance with all of these words and in accordance with all of this vision, Nathan, who is a prophet, spoke to David. So God is speaking through this prophet Nathan and saying, hey, you need to go tell David, this king, that I'm going to establish his throne forever. And his son is going to build a house for me and I'm going to establish his throne forever. And so there's this king even in the very beginning of the Bible that we're looking for, who apparently is going to rule forever. All right, so go with me to Luke chapter one, because we need to continue to kind of flesh this out. Who is this king? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke chapter one, verses 30 through 33. Luke 1, 30 through 33. All right, now an angel is coming to Mary, and he says this in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Right? The reason we need to understand that this king that comes from David, who will rule and reign forever, the reason we need to understand and find out who that is, which obviously we just read that it's Jesus, is because what ends up happening is we realize, even at this very moment in the book of Ruth, that there is a king coming that is greater even than this king, David. Ruth was not supposed to have children. Her husband died. Her, her father-in-law died. It was basically supposed to end for Ruth and Naomi. And yet, all of a sudden, you're coming to the end of the book, and you're seeing David. But then when you see David, you see an eternal king coming from David. And then when you look a little bit further, you see that this eternal king who has been promised was told to Mary to be Jesus. The reason this is important is because this reveals a king who is worthy of this throne. He's worthy to be worshipped, and he's worthy of our devotion. 
And so like any great king, King Jesus is a, he's, he's a protector against our enemies, right? That's what kings do. Good kings stand for their people and they encourage them, right? Fight the battle. We are, we are not going to lose in this moment. A king really is a hope of a people for victory when it seems that all is lost. Here's why King David is so important in this moment. Here's, here's one of the reasons why we know that God is about saving people. Because Jesus doesn't stand on the wall and say, prepare for battle. Hey, get ready. We're going to go and we're going to charge the gates of hell. He doesn't say that. What Jesus does is he exercises his kingly role, right? He's been given this eternal throne, this eternal kingdom promised through David. He exercises his role in a way that no king has ever exercised their role, right? He conquers our enemies for us. He, he doesn't ask us to give our life to secure victory. He gives his life to secure victory for us. I, I don't need you to come with me. I don't need you to offer your life for this. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to sacrifice myself for this cause. No king has ever done that. But that's what the Bible tells us that Jesus did. He goes and he takes to the cross the price that we owed. The Bible says everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, and the wage of that falling short is death. The price we owe for our rebellion against God is our life. And Jesus goes to the cross and says, hey, I I know that this battle requires your life, but I'm 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 gonna step in and I'm gonna take your place. I'm going to die I'm going to pay that cost, and I'm going to give you life. I'll take your place. Back to the story, though. How can we know that God wants to and can redeem us here today? Right? It does really make sense that Ruth and Boaz would be people who get saved, because throughout this whole story, we're like, no, don't do it, Ruth, and she doesn't. And we're like, Boaz, don't give in to temptation, and he doesn't. And, and they just kind of follow the Lord cheerfully. Remember, again, Boaz is the guy you want to work for, right? Welcome to work today, y'all. Lord be with you. It's like, you know, I don't know why that's my Boaz voice. I just kind of feel like Boaz is a little bit of a nerd. But it, it, it does make sense that Ruth and Boaz would be a, an object of God's saving grace. They're, they're, they're just they're good people who love the Lord. It's not just because they're good. They're good and they love the Lord. They, they are giving themselves over to living a life, molding their life, around what God would have for them. They want to serve him and they want to honor him. You can see that in the story. But Naomi, Naomi is a different story. Look with me at verse 17 of Ruth chapter 4. But before we read that, you, you do remember, like Naomi was the lady where the whole time we're kind of like, oh, Naomi, I, I think maybe she's crazy, right? She's just odd. She's not desirable in any way. Like She's the lady that stays back and sends her daughter-in-law to go give food. She's the lady that rolls in in the very beginning into Bethlehem, and she was like, don't call me Naomi. And we're like, okay, chill out. You're not going to have friends either. But look at verse 17. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, that is the baby, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Why can we know today that for us in this room, that, that God would and does desire to save, to redeem us, because God redeems Naomi. He is the redeemer of all of us who feel bitter. He's the redeemer of those who feel like they are beyond the reaches of God's care and compassion 
And all along in this story, what we realize is God has been gathering the undesirable people under his wings too, right? We two times hear the phrase of being gathered under God's wings, that is being brought into his protection. And both times it's with Ruth. But here, here, the women, they don't say a son has been born to Ruth. They say a son has been born to Naomi. It's not really her son, but everyone looks at this woman and they're amazed. God has taken this lady who had nothing left. She had nothing except a daughter-in-law who would go get her food. She was getting ready to have to sell her husband's land just to be able to afford to live in probably some little nasty flat uh, up in Bethlehem, right, that she rented. Just not, not even one bedroom, just a flat. No running water either, which was pretty common. But this whole time, God has been gathering the undesirables under his wings too. And really, out of all of the people that this book could have ended with, right? we, we could have gotten a, and Ruth and Boaz lived happily ever after. Really, as we come to the end of this book, we, we, we begin to realize that the book of Ruth may in fact be the book of Naomi, right in the very end. And a son has been given to Naomi, the one who kind of makes us cringe just a little bit. Here's why it's really important to know who the eternal king is. Number one is because he is the promised king who will reign and rule forever in righteousness. When God spoke to King David through the prophet Nathan, he was saying, there will never not be a king on this throne, and this final king will rule forever. He will be the protector of his people forever. He will be the redeemer of his people forever. But secondly, it's what type of king he is. Not a king who sits up on his throne and tells us what to do, but a king who steps in our place and pays price that we can't. What this king came to do, who comes from the line of David, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to bring healing to the sick. He came to set the captives free. He came to give sight to the blind. And so what that means for us and what that meant for Naomi is that the king who will come to save He came to save those who are broken. He came to save those who are wounded. He came to save those who are losing the battle with sin. What we need to know is that this king came to save people like us. He came for us. All that is required of us is that we would confess our brokenness to this redeeming king, that that we would confess our sin to this redeeming king, That, that we would cry out to him in faith, and say, God, I have nothing to offer you. In fact, I'm more of a Naomi than Naomi. I'm completely undesirable. I I don't even really have that many friends. I don't even know if my parents like me. I've got so much baggage. I I have so many failures in battling sin. You would never want me, God. If you would cry out to him and confess that, and trust that he actually can and will save you, then guess what? He will do it. He will save you. He will take your nothingness and he will give you everything. He will go into the battle for you and he will give his life, the life that you owe, he will give it for you and leave you with eternal life forever.